Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. To be a blessed giver, first of all, means that you would be willing to be a prompted giver. In other words, there's a need, there's an opportunity, there's something that has been brought to your attention and you say, you know what, I'm going to come alongside that and I'm gonna help to meet that need. I'm gonna help to invest in that opportunity. I'm going to allow myself to be prompted to come alongside and support what it is that is before me. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Perhaps there has not been another time like now in which Christians need direction. We are confused and wondering if we can find the way God has for us. We are confused about our careers, our marriages, our kids, and even our friendships. In this sermon series, we are going to look at four distinctive characteristics that Christians need to have present in their lives in order to walk the path that God has for them. We hope that in this series, you will find clarity, peace, and most importantly, direction. Please enjoy the message. Now, one of the classic movies of all time, Talladega Nights, I'm kidding, but one of the classic scenes of Talladega Nights, which is by no means a classic movie, is a scene discussing this little baby Jesus. It's a scene in which Ricky Bobby, who is the central figure, who is played by Will Ferrell, who's a central figure of this movie, has been winning races with his bit of unorthodox style and unorthodox personality. But in the midst of his success, in the midst of his success, he is at this Thanksgiving table with family and friend saying a prayer. And the prayer that he prays, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. It's a bit unusual. It's a bit strange but I'll make sense of it in a moment. And this is a little bit of the prayer that he prayed. Dear tiny little baby Jesus. I mean, who starts a prayer like that? Well, Ricky Bobby did. Little hands and feet in your tiny little manger, watching your tiny little Einstein videos, use your tiny little superpowers to keep me winning on the racetrack. And then he continues on about this tiny little baby Jesus. In which, but it's at that point he gets interrupted by his wife who says, but he grew up. He's a, he became a man, and then he continues to pray, and then he's interrupted again by his father-in-law, who then says, he had a beard. You can't be praying to the baby Jesus, to which Ricky Bobby responded and said, when you pray, you can pray to whatever Jesus you want to. You can pray to your teenage Jesus, your adult Jesus, your bearded Jesus, but when I pray, I want to pray to tiny little baby Jesus. I like him the best. And truthfully, if we had a choice, I think most of us would choose the tiny little baby Jesus. He's a little less aggressive. He's a little less offensive. He would probably validate most of our life and most of the decisions that we want. Sure, we want to be challenged and stretched in some areas of our life. But if we're challenged and stretched a little bit too much, then we like to revert back to well, the Jesus that's a little bit more innocent and has a little less to say about how we live and what it is that we do with the things that we have. And that's especially true with what it is that we're going to talk about today. I'm reminded of the words that John Ortberg said. He said, we have a tendency to replace the real Jesus with whatever Jesus we want him to be. And that's especially true when it comes to generosity. When it comes to how we handle what it is that God has given us, the possessions that we have, the money that we have that we are responsible for, that we manage in this life, in the here and the now. 
Now, the reason that we have to talk about this and this subject is because Jesus just said so much about it. 16 of the 38 parables Jesus taught are about money. One in 10 verses in the New Testament are about money. One in six verses in the Old Testament are about money. In all, 2,000 plus verses in the Bible reference money. There are several verses that talk about this subject. It's really unavoidable if you're going to preach the full counsel of the Scriptures. If you want to understand the full counsel of the Bible, it's something that you just have to come to terms with. Now, if you're somebody, let me qualify all of this to say, if you don't believe in Jesus, I'm so excited that you're here and that you want to, and I think that there's some things that we're going to say that could be helpful, at least for you to know. But this is fifth or sixth on the list of things that we want for you. We want you, first of all, just to get Jesus, and then we go from there. But for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for many years, and, and again, those of you that consider this to be your church home, I think that there's some things in here that we need to be reminded of that the Bible says. And once again, the Bible has a lot to say about this topic. And let me share a few of those verses with you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Honor God with what you've been given. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In other words, what it is that you put in, what it is that you invest is going to determine what it is that you receive and get back. Each one must give as he's decided in his or her heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, Just as you excel in everything, in faith, and speech, and knowledge, and complete earnestness, in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And the verse of all verses that had, it impacted my heart the most, and these verses I just read are important, but the one that impacted my heart the most as it relates to this particular topic. And what I'm going to share with you in a few moments is the journey that I have been on and our family has been on as it relates to generosity. But it all comes back to this verse. And it's not the first verse that you would probably jump to whenever you think of this particular subject matter that we're going to be discussing over these, just these next few moments that we have. But it is undoubtedly the verse that I always come back to when it comes to this particular topic. And it's John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. At the heart of God is a God who gave. He gave his one and only son. He didn't give out of his discretionary income. He didn't give from leftovers. He gave the most important thing to him. That whoever shall believe in him will not perish. But what's most important to him is that we would have eternal life. Because God doesn't want our money, and I certainly don't want it. I don't want your possessions. But God does want your heart. And I want God to have your heart. And so what exactly does it look like to be a blessed giver? What does this journey look like? What did the journey look like for us? What does it look like for many of you as you've shared with me? Well, there's a few points I'm going to share with you as it relates to being a blessed giver. And there are many more I could share, but I'm just going to share a couple of them with you because that's just all the time that we have for the time that we have here together. And the first one is this. To be a blessed giver, first of all, means that you would be willing to be a prompted giver. In other words, there's a need. There's an opportunity. There's something that has been brought to your attention, and you say, you know what? I am going to come alongside that, and I'm going to help to meet that need. I'm going to help to invest in that opportunity. I'm going to allow myself to be prompted to come alongside and support what it is that is before me. 
Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you wanna know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Before I was a Christian, I, I, I became, came to faith at 22, but before I was a Christian, there was this little bitty, little bitty Nazarene church in Nebraska that I attended, in this little town that we were in, and that I was in specifically as I was in college. And as I began attending this church, I loved the church, and I loved the people there, and they loved me, and they were, they were so instrumental in me being right here where I'm at now. But I, after a few months of being there, the fiscal year for the church was beginning to come to a close. And I had, and again, I had not ever attended church, certainly not with any form of regularity. But the pastor stood up in front of the congregation and began to explain to the church some of their budget issues that they were having. We're not a, we're not a part of a denomination, so we don't have this responsibility, but they were a part of a denomination, a good denomination, in my opinion, but there are denominational dues that come along with that that help to support the further ministry of this particular group. And the pastor was saying that with our dues and with our mortgage and with our staff, uh, financial commitments and responsibilities, as well as the ministries that we have here as a church, we are coming to a point here where we're going to have to make some really hard decisions if that budget is not caught up to with your contributions. Now, I couldn't, again, I was brand new to this whole thing. I wasn't by no means at all offended that he'd be bringing that up. I just couldn't believe it was getting, that this was an issue. And I talked to a family, a leader, a, a man in a family, that, a leader in the community and a leader in the church, and then a man uh, in a family that I had become close to. And I asked him about this. I said, why is the pastor talking about this? Like, why is this coming up? And he said, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, Phil, he said, our church has more than enough money to take care of this issue. And, and in their particular case, their family was very faithful and giving. But he said, if you, drive, if you just walk through our parking lot, you're not going to see a lot of rundown cars. You're going to see people that are doing well for themselves. And you're going to see that there, again, is enough money in God's, with God's people to take care of this need. But we're just not being faithful. And so then... He, Pastor Dave, has to stand up in front of us and say these different things about what's going on in the church in order for us to hopefully meet our need and then hopefully help us to avoid, help us to avoid making any hard decisions. And so, you know, over the day, he set up a couple of weekends, the pastor, where they would contribute, the people in the church would contribute. And, and, and I can remember that, that offering um, plate passing by me. And I was in college. I didn't have any money. But I would put 5 or $10 in an offering plate, whatever I wanted playing cards the night before. 
I was in a, it's a journey of faith, okay? It's a journey. But what, you know what I'm saying. I'd come into some money and I, I, would, I just gave whatever I had. There five, ten, twenty dollars, whatever it was, I just gave it. And so I would give that. And I remember it even hurting. I was thinking like, man, I could be putting gas in my car, literally just putting gas in my car. But this church is just so good to me. I had to help. Now, fortunately, they were able to come together and, and they were able to meet that budget uh, shortfall that they had. And I'm not exactly sure how it all panned out and who it is that came, uh, who it is that stepped up to make that happen. But that was a, my first experience and first real step in becoming a blessed giver is that I learned that it's important to be available to the promptings of God. It's, impo- it's important for my heart to be available to the promptings of God. First John chapter 3 says this there. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? You know, in other words, if you're in a line and the person in front of you at a grocery store or at a restaurant or a fast food restaurant or even at a restaurant for that matter, and they're having trouble paying for something, you should just step up and do it and then figure it out later, okay? We should all do that. If you see an opportunity and it's a, it's a legitimate, meaningful opportunity, we should always step up and help in those situations, whether it's on the street or in a restaurant or even at a church. Now, I'm not going to be asking for a special offering or anything like that here. We're doing, we're doing fine. But what I am encouraging you with is to be open to those prompts that God puts in your life. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there is a woman um, who is outside of Israel who has Elijah come into her town. And Elijah was a traveling prophet. He comes into this town, and this widow is literally on the last little bit of food that she has. But as these ancient societies worked, they only, one of the main, main reasons that they worked is there was a hospitality to travelers that had to always be extended. And so this widow knew that. And of all the people in the town, the widow stepped up to help Elijah. Because she saw the need, she was open to it, and she, and she met it. And so I want to encourage you with that, to be open to whatever God may be prompting you to contribute and to support. The second step that we made as a family, and that I made personally in the, in the journey of giving, was to be a percentage giver. After I had been a Christian for just a short period of time, I, I listened to a pastor share how important that is. And he was explaining to the congregation, as, as I hopefully explained to some of you, he was saying, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you exactly what you need to give, but what I want to encourage you as you're taking steps of generosity is to give a percentage. And then for us personally, we, as we studied the Bible, we decided long ago that the percentage that was going to be our base, bare minimum standard was going to be 10% as a family. That we were always going to at least give that to our income, and we've been able to do that and even a little bit more. But we want to make that a priority to finance God's kingdom and God's ministry, and we wanted that to be our standard. Now, there's some debate on whether you should give 10% and whether you shouldn't give 10%. And, and I would encourage you to pray through that and study through that, and I'm not here to debate that with you. But I would say that that number, for whatever reason, it does seem to be a good standard to go by. It's what I would call one of those points of, of a top-button theology. That, that if you can just get that first little bit right towards the Lord, 
then the rest of it seems to fall in place from there. It's like your shirt, you know? I know none of you have this problem, it's just me. But if I get my top button wrong, then the rest of those buttons are going to be really hard to get in line. Now, I've never had that happen before. I'm kidding. But at at any rate, no, it it happens. And if you get that wrong, then it's hard to get the rest in line. But if you get it right, then the rest does seem to fall in line. And I think that there's just something special, again, about that number 10%, because it's just enough to influence, but it's not so much that it controls or it oppresses. But I'm not saying it's law. And as you come into the New Testament, what you see is that Jesus fulfilled the law. What you also see in the New Testament, too, is that Jesus seemed to raise the standard in a lot of ways. And the goal, again, isn't to have your stuff. It's because God wants your heart. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Now, as you look in the Bible, there does seem to be, there's all these correlations with numbers in the scriptures, and you can study through those and look at different numbers and and what exactly it is that they mean. But the number 10 in the Bible does seem to circle back around to test. Like generally, when the number 10 is referenced, there's some kind of a test that is going on there. So I'm going to have a little bit of a test here with you, and this is our audience participation part of our program. And so what I want to, I'm going to ask you a question and then you answer it with a particular number that, I, that, that should make sense to you. So for example, how many plagues came upon Egypt? Ten. Yes. You might even say, how many times was Pharaoh's heart tested? Okay. Here's another one. How many commandments are there? Ten. Yeah, so there's ten. There's ten different commandments that test if we're going to align our life with God's will. Another one here is how many times, and this is actually in the book of Numbers, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? You could just, there's a pattern. Ten. Yeah, so, so I, want to, I want you to do it with a little bit more emphasis now. You can do it with a little bit more emphasis here, just so we can all buy into what exactly we're getting across here. How many times were Jacob's, in the book of Genesis, wages changed? Ten. Yes, he was tested ten different times. How many days was Daniel tested in the book of Daniel? Ten. Yes, you, you guys are doing great. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? Ten. And how many disciples were there? Uh, Yeah, all right, just just testing you, just seeing if you're paying attention. You did much better than the earlier service today, I will tell you that. 
But when it comes to the number 10, there is something seemingly special about it. Now, one of the more popular verses, more well-known, and certainly one of the ones that I draw from that relate to this particular number is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. And this is what it says there. <coughs> Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. I love that. That last little, I love, I love this whole, this whole, all that these verses communicate to us. But there's, there's two principles here that I want you to catch. There's actually more, but I'm just going to give you two. And the first is this, is that God desires your giving to go to his storehouse. I would relate that to today to the church. And I'm going to tell you why that's so, so important for all of us to understand as it relates to the storehouse. Now, obviously, it's in reference to the temple, and I'm completely aware of that. But in this case, I would encourage you to support the home base, to support your church, to make that the priority of your, of your contributions, of your, of your giving. And there's, I'm going to give you two, two reasons for that. The first is this, is that so often we give to a lot of different things. I just want you to catch perspective here. We give to so many different things. And, and, I, and that is a very, very good thing. But what I want you to understand is that the reason that we often give to compassion organizations, different ones, all different types, whether they're Christ-based or not, is because of Jesus. Even if they're founded on Jesus or not, but the reason that so many of those organizations and even missionaries exist and Christian schools exist is because there are strong, vibrant local churches that are sending those people out to support those organizations, to support those schools, to support those missions endeavors. It's because there are strong local churches. And what we have to understand is that if we shift and start to focus all of the branches, what you're going to do is the trunk, the trunk of that is going to get compromised. And biblically, that's not just historically speaking. I would say biblically speaking, you can look at the book of Nehemiah and find a great example of this. Because it's there that Nehemiah is commissioned to go back to the city of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he is told to rebuild the walls there. Or he, he actually asked for permission to rebuild the walls there and reestablish that city. So as he goes into Jerusalem, one of the first matters of business is to check on I'm going to emphasize, check on the temple and just make sure everything's good there. It's in good working order. But when he arrives, he sees that the temple is in worse shape than the city. And the city was, the city was in terrible condition at this point in time. He gets to the temple, the place where the people were supposed to, become, were supposed to come and be encouraged and, and pray and praise. And he sees that, this, that the temple isn't even operational at this point. And he's looking around. He can't find the priests either, the people that are supposed to keep the temple operational. And so he eventually finds out where they're at, and he goes out into the fields where they are. And he says, guys, what are you doing? And the priest said, well, the people stopped supporting the temple. And not only were we unable to keep up with the operations of the temple just to keep it functional, like we couldn't even provide for ourselves and they just said, Nehemiah, we have to make sure our families eat. We have to make sure that we are taken care of. And, and to be clear, like that's always been a priority here at our church. We make sure our staff is taken care of. 
But, but Nehemiah, they say, we, we have to provide for ourselves. And Nehemiah is like, no wonder the city's a mess. The temple's not even good. The temple's not even running right now. And so as his first form of business, he gets the temple up and going, and then he begins to commission different groups to rebuild the wall. The point is this, is the people's condition, situation, was in terrible shape, but it came back to the fact that the people stopped supporting what was going on there operationally. And so again, I come back to what that verse says in Malachi, is that we need to support God's storehouse. We need to support that local church. The second thing is this, is that supporting, investing, sowing into God's kingdom does not always translate into financial blessing, but I love what this verse says. It said, he will keep the pests from devouring your fields and he will keep the fruit on the vine so you can pick it. In other words, there are areas and there are spaces that God will work in your life to perhaps keep you from having expenses because you're being faithful with what it is that you've been given to his kingdom. So for an example, for an example, like maybe that means that your dishwasher doesn't go out, okay? If you've had that happen, that's not cheap. Or maybe that means that your sprinkler system doesn't explode in the middle of winter. Or perhaps it means, like I, us, for example, and I hopefully I'm not cursing myself with this one, but our, we got an HVAC that's like 25 years old. We, we handle that thing with kids. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.